Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Well, welcome into the Health Suites of Money FM 89.3. I'm Melissa Hyak, and our guest today is Mr. Chris Hardesty, Strategic Advisor of APEC Med and Association that represents manufacturers and suppliers of medical equipment, devices, and in vitro diagnostics, industry associations, and other key stakeholders associated with the medical technology industry in Asia Pacific. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hi, Melissa. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you. Now, um, this association, APAC Med, why was it necessary to have the association set up in the first place? How old is it? APAC Med was founded in 2014, mm. and there are some sister organizations in Europe as well as America. And the idea is really to have opportunities for the public and private sector to collaborate together on key. Mm healthcare programs, specifically as it pertains to the introduction of novel medical technologies. Mm-hmm. As I've alluded to in my introduction earlier, the situation at hand, um, the current role that diagnostics play in healthcare, how accessible is it? It's a great and burning question. I mean, if, if I just start on a kind of basic human level, which, mm. which everybody listening is part of, right? I mean, I think we've all felt the impact of diagnostics over the last couple of years. And there's a terminology called health literacy, which is, you know, just how knowledgeable are people about health and healthcare. And I just kind of chuckle now that you can have conversations with, uh, you know, our, our parents about things like PCR testing, right? I mean, nowadays, a lot of this terminology mm. has, has become embedded into our lives, mm. which is an opportunity in a way. I think now really, uh, and the impetus for, for writing this report and, and working with APAC Med on this is, you know, diagnostics is not just about immediate infection control, but it's also around earlier intervention and chronic diseases mm. and leveraging the data and insights that we can get from these tests to better manage our population. So mm. in addition to our paper, there is what's called the World Health Organization Essential Diagnostics List and a, and a landmark Lancet Commission report. And they basically call this the decade of diagnostics. We have to kind of get our health systems better orientated around diagnostics. And just to give you a couple of statistics, and then I'll, mm. I'll pause and throw it back to you, but they estimate that about 70%, 7-0 of decision-making in our health system, so at hospitals, at clinics, at the government level, are derived from data coming from diagnostic testing. Mm. But if you look at how much kind of resource allocation is assigned to diagnostics as a percentage mm. of everything else that goes on, it's actually around 1% or less. So there's a clear kind of value gap here. And, and one of the big uh, statistics in the Lancet Commission work was what they call a diagnostic gap and that is how many people ultimately end up with a disease versus how many people were properly tested for that. And currently in our systems, that gap is beyond 60%. So there just needs to be a lot more work on making such testing available and affordable to our populations. Mm. When you say in our system, you're referring to the system across this part of the world, the Asia Pacific. Yes. And and sorry, that's some kind of public health terminology there for people that may be in the technology (laughs) Mm. field. I'm not talking about an IT system. So when we say system, we we basically mean all the component parts that are Mm. required to make healthcare Mm work, right? Public mm-hmm. and private sector, uh, drugs, devices, hospitals, mm. manpower, right? Mm. There's a lot of aspects mm. to it. And and yes, we, we look at uh, Singapore, but also wider Asia Pacific and even globally. Yep. Yeah. When we, when we talk about the Asia Pacific region, it, it does get, um, you know, it does get us kind of like uh, in a bit of a, a knot as well, because the economies within this region, you know, are so different, right? We have some very developed economies like, you know, Japan, like Singapore, like, you know, Australia, New Zealand. And then 
then we have、um, the developing economies like Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, you know, etc. So when we talk about these statistics and and the kind of challenges that are faced, they, they are very different, aren't they? It's a great point, and and you know, whenever you, we do policy work, and including in this report that we've developed with APAC Med, we always try to break it down into what we would call archetyping models.、Mm. So that is trying to be as relevant as possible to different governments in the region, so that they can think about immediate actions they can take.、Mm. So just as an example, in our report, we we break it down into two models. One which has a very fragmented testing or diagnostic kind of structure, which tends to be the lower to middle income socioeconomic countries, and and there they face more than a million deaths every year due to lack of、uh, testing. And it's estimated that access to diagnostics is less than 20 percent. But the potential return on investment of of actually investing in diagnostics is about 24 to one. So、oh. a lot of opportunity. And and in our report, we use India as an example of just you know trying to make some progress in this in this space. But certainly, like you said, there are many economies in the Asia Pacific region that are more mature. We call、mm-hmm. these kind of、mm-hmm. uh, archetype two dot zero. And in our report, we、uh, look at examples like biobanking in Taiwan, but also the the diagnostic. Pricing cuts that have happened in Japan and just、mm-hmm. what some of these effects have been, but we do、uh, call out Singapore because,、um, as a result of this WHO and Lancet Commission work, Singapore earlier this year has really stepped up and they commissioned uh, uh, a kind of forum to bring all the stakeholders together from、mm-hmm. pathology to radiology, public sector, private sector, to really talk about the value of diagnostics and how we can do a better job of again making it more accessible and affordable to people. Only this year <laughs> have we not been <laughs> as gas. As we've been with everything else, <laughs> when it comes to diagnostics. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just one of those where, where you know,、uh, we're not trying to, you know, it, diagnostics is not just about infection control; it's、mm. about earlier intervention、mm. of chronic disease.、Mm. It affects、mm. everything from early stage in people's lives to ongoing throughout the the continuum of, of everyone's life.、Mm. So it's just about how do you take where you are and, and keep、mm. building, right?、Mm-hmm. So it sounds like,、um, you know, where Singapore stands compared to other、uh, economies in the region. We could have done、uh, a lot more in terms of earlier intervention. Would you say that? Well, I, I think you know, having been in Singapore throughout this past few years and, and、mm. during during the crisis, I mean, I, I commend all the efforts that have taken place. Right,、mm. I think though, but it still comes down to these value equations. Where how, what is the role of diagnostics now in determining our infection and, and chronic diseases,、mm. and, and what value should be assigned to that?、Mm. Because、mm. if you look at some areas like、uh, HPV, for example,、mm. where About seventy percent of cervical cases derive from HPV, you know, which、mm. can be diagnosed very early, you know, very early stage. Or if we look at things like,、um, you know, liver cancer, which derives originally in some cases from hepatitis, and and about eighty percent of liver cases are are late stage when they're they're diagnosed. So I mean, we can just do a better job of intervening、mm. a bit earlier.、Mm. And I think for you know for for an economy like Singapore, it's about the next. Generation of of being smart with diagnostics. So we look、mm. at local innovation, R and D, local employment opportunities,、mm. leveraging artificial intelligence、mm. from the information gathered. So there's a lot of you know Sing- Singapore is in a good place, but now it's about getting. It can to be in a better level, place, right? right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we want to be a、I、leader、right. as well. We want to be a hub as well in diagnostics. Absolutely. <laughs> Now, yeah, and, and, and you know, a, a smart nation is about a healthy, productive peoples, right? And so we just have to get over this hurdle of you know we just need、mm. to be better informed. 
about our health status, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's the reality. Now, the doctors I've spoken to on various, you know, different issues uh, in health suites, they've always talked about, you know, early screening and they've always encouraged uh, people to, you know, get themselves regularly screened. So I know that the medical um, community is behind, you know, diagnostics, right? And they know very well it can enhance healthcare efficiencies. Um, so why hasn't it been more widely adopted already? Why do you think? Mm, yeah, well, uh, I think there has been a lot of good that I talked about, but mm. we are in a situation where what the WHO calls flying blind, right, which is imagine flying an, an airplane and you're not able to kind of properly diagnose the you know component parts of the plane and what's going on around you, right? You're essentially flying blind. So I think a few issues that we're still trying to tackle are, for uh, one thing, just regula- from a regulation perspective, I call it the kind of Goldilocks situation. Mm. We don't want <laughs> too much regulation, right, which mm. sort of inhibits innovation and adoption. But we do see in the diagnostic space, and I think we've all observed this during COVID-19, if you have too little mm. regulation, then mm. you put patient safety at risk because uh, any, any and all testing is out there, right? So I, I think mm. that's, that's one aspect. Um, maybe a second aspect is just the kind of funding and, and reimbursement process, which, you know, in healthcare is very kind of tricky and complicated to get all the information submitted and, and value equations worked out. But mm. the reality is the longer we take to make diagnostic testing accessible and affordable to people, the more people just have to pay out of their own pockets for such mm. uh, procedures, which which then makes it not equitable and not universal, right? Mm. Mm. And then I think the last, the last issue we face is just a kind of psychological one, which is what they call a screening paradox. So in some governments, we see that there's a fear, the more you test people, the more you find and the more that you have to deal with, right? But it's kind of just a, a, a kicking the can down the road mentality, mm. right? Because mm. like I said, then then you discover diseases much later and they're much more complicated mm. and fatal and that has a tremendous cost. So we just have to have a psychological shift as well. Mm-hmm. And with the pandemic, we've seen the democratization of screening and testing. I, I think we, we see the pros of, of you know, home testing, um, but at the same time, um, where might you see there to be some pitfalls. Yeah, and, and we do include a section in our paper as well about this this topic, which is quite nice. We we worked with different stakeholders on it, and, and the reality is democratization and decentralization are two um, two aspects of a similar coin, right? So mm. I think you know one one thing we do want to look at is greater democratization of of testing, meaning more equitable. You know, we should mm. just get over the screening paradox mentality mm. and just when everyone's young, make sure they go through proper testing and we identify disease states earlier and just having the regular, you know, checkpoints throughout people's lives, right? Mm. I think when it comes to kind of decentralization, we do just want to be a bit careful there because Mm. um, in some countries we've observed that just due to resource scarcity, like in India or let's say certain parts of Southeast Mm. Asia, we Mm. we do just have to get the testing more into the communities. But I think in a place like Singapore, we want to maintain some level of consistency and control and how this is done, right? So Mm. that would just be where I would caution a little bit. But all of these discussions are, are the right ones to have. I think this is where public and private sector can really help each other in being, mm. you know, efficient, effective and, and innovative mm. in the models. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think with, again, with the pandemic, we've seen how integrated the world is, right? So even mm. though, um, for example, Singapore seems to be in a fairly okay place, um, we do depend on, um, you know, all our neighbours as well, um, you know, near or far, right, to, to, to have the same or similar sort of access to, to um, medical technology, uh, to diagnostics, um, to so that the whole world can move together, right? So what, how, in, in, 
a utopic world. <laughs> How do you see, you know, every uh, market, every economy working together uh, to get to a, a better place for a more evenly distributed, evenly grounded sort of uh, field for everybody? Yeah, I guess I'll talk a little bit about process and then just some some things I would like to see. You know, so I think first of all, this is why it's nice that Singapore takes a leadership role in such a topic. We collaborate with the WHO and the Atlantic Commission globally to share best practices. But equally, we have these market archetyping um, consider so that we can be fit for purpose and, and appropriate. But that's also what's nice. The nice about this effort is it's, it's public as well as private sector. So we work with a lot of the multinational mm. companies um, also to bring bring best practices, right? I mean, a few things I would like to see uh, in, in Singapore, but around the region is just more consistency in the way that we regulate and recognize diagnostics. It's still a little bit too disharmonized and therefore it makes life complicated and, and, and even risky. And then I think beyond that, we just need to uh, look at the latest technologies that are coming down, including in areas like genetic testing or artificial intelligence, and just uh, you know, how does that? How can we adopt that into our clinical yeah. guidelines here? Yeah. Um, and, and and how do we make sure that the low quality diagnostic you know tools are, are being identified? Yeah. And then I think finally, it just all culminates around this value framework, right? So yeah. in our in our report, we have proposed some value frameworks, but this is where we can get beyond just, okay, what does this test kit cost and, and uh, you know, can we afford that in our health system mm. and thinking about the real value that's delivered in terms of, again, mm. keeping a productive workforce, uh, leveraging data insights, you know, generating mm. a, a local R&D ecosystem. So there's a lot more value that can be added, and I think that's mm. where this... I said at the beginning, the 70% versus this 1%, right? We have to just mm. close that gap, I think. Mm. A lot of things that you mentioned sound uh, more, how would you say, in the pay grade of those are policymakers or businesses. <laughs> so um, I, I think before we wrap up, uh, it, it would be useful mm. also for, for individual consumers to know what they can do, uh, you know, to help increase the adoption of diagnostics technology so that they benefit uh, as well as their loved ones and those close to them. It's a fantastic point and one that's very personal to me and the health the health policy work that I do because I, I firmly believe that oftentimes policies fall short because of kind of individual level activation, right? And, mm. and it is tricky in public health because you're trying to do good for the masses versus catering to every individual kind of situation. But I think that's where we have some opportunity as a result of COVID is, is this health literacy concept I talked about mm. at the beginning. Mm. And uh, I think this is where, you know, getting people involved and what APAC Med is doing and, and these public-private kind of collaboration efforts, you know, we need more voices at the table uh, to make it possible. So that's something I'm, I'm very personally passionate about as well. Yes, that's true. I mean, like today I could be in my studio seat and our listeners in their driver's seat or whatever, but who knows where we'll be sitting at, which table <laughs> in years to come, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Chris, thank you very so true. much. appreciate you taking the call, um, you know, while you are on a work trip in France. So we have a good line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it helped. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great speaking to you. Thank you. That was Mr. Chris Hardesty, Strategic Advisor of APAC Med, talking to us about access to diagnostic technology and how it can help the rest of the world. I'm Melissa Kell for the Workday Afternoon, and you are with MoneyFM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.